know the why human trafficking work is needed to fight for the freedom of modern day slaves. But love, passion, commitment isn't all you need to be an effective and successful anti-trafficking advocate. Learn the how. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, Director of the Human Trafficking and Social Justice Institute at the University of Toledo. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation podcast, where I'll provide you with the latest and best methods, policy, and practice discussed by experienced experts in the field so that you can cut through the noise, save time, and be about the work of saving lives. Welcome to the Emancipation Nation, episode 141. I'm Dr. Celia Williamson, and today I'm talking to Walter James Lovett. He's a founder and CEO of Lovett Media Group. He developed a comic book called The Watcher. It's actually a series, The Watcher series. He started in 2017. He is a guy that bridges news with entertainment. And so it's a natural for him to think about human trafficking in terms of bringing awareness through a comic book series that young people who are really into comics could read, enjoy, and learn a lot about human trafficking and how to fight human trafficking. Now, as you listen to Walter's story, you're going to hear that Walter has a past. He's overcome an addiction, and he's working on that every single day. So let's talk to Walter, find out about the Watcher series, and a little bit more about Walter's past and where he came from and how he lends his skill of bringing news and entertainment to a comic book series. Welcome to the show, Watcher. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Williamson. Yeah. And you know, I just called you Watcher instead of Walter. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. That's a good uh that's a good title to have. <laughs> okay. So tell us about the Watcher series. Like what is that? Thank you. Thank you so much. Um the Watcher series is a um is a it's a comic book series um that centers in on a um Tennessee pastor who fights human trafficking by night. Mm-hmm. And it is a story that's very near and dear to my heart. Um, it's um, I've had this story for a couple of years now. And we, uh, my wife and I published the first issue in uh, September of 2020. Okay. So it's been, it's been a really, really um, uh, at times an arduous journey, but the story is out and it's uh, it's continuing, it's growing, and we're thankful for that. So you started out, how did you come to even talk about human trafficking in a comic book series? Absolutely. So um, the, the human trafficking um, focus came to me, um, it actually came to me like in 2017. I had... Um, Grown up, I, my parents were really religious growing up. Um, my father's a pastor, and I'd been immersed in religion and in church, and I knew about God, but I didn't really uh, consider myself to be like a really faithful believer, so to speak. And um, in 2017, I had um, just this uh, this life-altering moment. Um, I for many years, I struggled with pornography. Um, going going back to my teen years, um, it was uh, 
uh, I grew up in a big city, a big town, and um, everything was just really like sexualized. Like um, the area that I grew up in, grew up in was South Florida. I grew up in the late eighties, um, and you know, into the nineties, early two thousands. I was like a high school kid, and so things were really sexual. There's a lot of strip clubs, massage parlors, uh, porn shops. That area is just really known for it. And um, I had fallen into that that group of things. I just um, I, I didn't start out to really um, to s- seek out for it, but it kind of just fell into it because it was a culture. And so I had many years where I just really struggled with it. Um, I, I knew that I, I didn't need to support that industry and I didn't need to give it my attention, but um, I it was a real struggle. And in seventeen, um, I was listening to the radio, there's a hip hop artist named Andy Minio. And he was talking about like the devastating effects of pornography and just like how the adult industry really feeds and fuels the human trafficking industry. And I was like, man, what am I doing? Like, I'm not okay with people, you know, like modern day slavery and people being abused, especially children and uh, people of color and people with developmental disabilities. And I felt like I like I was getting a real conviction from God, even though it was a radio interview and the, the watcher, the skeleton of the watcher had been, I mean, I'd been writing that since like 2009 and he was going to be kind of like just a run of a run of the mill, like superhero that fights mobsters and stuff like that. And I could never really get it off the ground. I could never really just make the story click. And in that instance, I felt like God saying, this needs to be addressed. This is a medium where, people are subjected to this and you can help change the minds of so many thousands of people, that type of stuff. And I felt like God saying like, this is your chart. Now that you know better, do better. And it so, so worked out, you know, um, at the time I was living in Memphis, Tennessee. And um, that is the um, one of the birthing places of the civil rights movement. Dr. King was assassinated there. Um, Of course, there's been several thousand marches and stuff. And I feel like, I feel like it's just everything just fit together like a glove. Um, and so that's how my series, you know, came about. Wow. That's interesting. So, so you're going through life and I, I'm sure at some point you thought just an average, normal, healthy male, um, sexual, um, yeah. you know, looking at porn, like you, people do. And then <clears throat> over time, did you say that you felt like it started, you started to establish an addiction or do you feel like at, there was at some point where like God convicted you and said that, let's take a look at this. I definitely would say that it, it developed into an addiction. Um, I had like fought it for several years because I, I always went back and forth because, you know, my father's a pastor and I just, I knew what I had been taught it was always a, it was always a fight because like that was the culture down in South Florida. Um, then I went away to school and, um, I, in, in college, I was involved in athletics. I wrestled and this was really active and stuff. And it was the same thing in college. We justified it because we were like, okay. Um, women, girls, women can distract from like your training and, and you, you know, being to the best of your ability, 
So, you know, here's some girly, you know, and the coach, you know, he really just endorsed it. He's like, it's better for you to do this than to go out and get someone pregnant. So, you know, you lose your scholarship and stuff like that. And so it was just perpetuated. And um, as I got older into the workforce and everything, um, I justified it because I was like, well, technically I'm not sinning or I'm not doing anything destructive. This is just something, you know, a way to let, let off steam mm-hmm. to speak. And so it became an addiction, I say, because there were times where I would um, put myself in precarious situations where I would like and bill money to maybe join a website or mm-hmm. purchase like an autographed DVD or magazine of some sort. And you don't really think of it that way, but like it, it is. And so um, it's just, it was just, I would say it just was just really engrossed and en- encompassed a lot of my life. And um, I, Around 2016, I knew that I couldn't really keep this up. Like I knew it was just, it was almost like it was draining. I I compare it to a drug and a lot of people do, um, but then a lot of people don't really, they don't readily agree that pornography and sex addiction is real, but it's very real. Mm -hmm. And I just remember like, I would, it was almost like I'd be chasing a high, you know, like I'd look for new, new content all the time. Um, You know, not to be graphic, but you know, like you look at, you know, one person, one vixen and then, okay, got her stuff, seen everything. I need something new. And it's like, it's a drug. You constantly have to re up. Mm -hmm. And um, it's so with that comes lows and highs and some of my lows were just really, I was just really, really low, almost like a junkie. Mm-hmm. And, um, I knew I needed help and I was praying. And I remember praying one day, I was like, God, can you help me do, do for me what I can't do for myself? And I really feel like he, he heard my prayer because that was when stuff really started to, ch- started to change. And what um, happened? Man, all sorts of stuff. Like, um, I, I say it's divine intervention now, but um, I had a vehicle at the time um, that had just been given to me, um, gifted to me from a relative, and uh, it broke down. And the the um, the amount was substantial. It was like $2,500 to repair it. Along, right around this time, I had um, done some, I used to do PR work on the side, in addition to like my regular job, and um, I had gotten this um, this gig that that paid me like right at twenty five hundred dollars, and I had this like illusion of grandeur. I was like, I was planning to like fly out to um, Las Vegas to go to this um, this award, like they call it an award show, but it's um, it's the adult um, video award ceremony or something like that. It's like the Oscars of porn. Okay. And I was planning to fly out to that and to like meet the stars and autographs and just, you know, make it a weekend. And the like a day or two of me praying this, the car breaks down. Hey, I wanted to break into this episode to let you know that if you're interested in getting ahead of the problem of human trafficking by engaging in prevention and changing the trajectory of the lives of at-risk youth, 
Then listen and learn about what really works in the field of anti-trafficking prevention curriculum. Follow me here. The first issue is to understand that every youth is not at the same level of risk. There are youth at higher risk than other youth. Second, for those at higher risk, education doesn't necessarily translate into lowered risk. Youth at high risk will be educated and will remain at high risk because there are other factors keeping them at high risk. Third, understand that sex traffickers don't commonly snatch youth off the street and chain their wrists and ankles. They manipulate them and chain their minds and hearts in what we call trauma bonding. If that's true, then we need to train youth to see the manipulation coming, assess it for what it is, and do something preemptively about it. My Best Life Human Trafficking Prevention Curriculum for At-Risk Girls uses the safer method to teach girls how to see risky situations and risky people, assess the situation, find suitable and safe solutions, evaluate those solutions, and respond. We talk about support and relationships and boundaries, and we reduce the risk factors that increase the opportunities for someone to remain vulnerable and to be trafficked. If you're interested in lowering risk and perhaps changing the trajectory of someone's life for the better, check out my free webinar on the best life curriculum at CeliaWilliamson.com. Learn how to become a trained best life facilitator today. And now on with the podcast. And so I felt like that was divine intervention because I felt like God was saying, you know what, like you're asking earnestly, here's something that's going to keep you on a straight and narrow. So then when that happened, um, there was like some other stuff. I started, um, I'd always been a really good employee at work, just hyper-focused on my job. Um, I worked in broadcasting and um, around that time I started making like really like just careless mistakes and stuff that I wouldn't, you know, being a veteran in the industry, you know, I wouldn't have made those mistakes. And um, my boss was like, man, what's, you know, what's going on with you? You're my best employee, you know, that's usually catches stuff what's going on. And it was just like, I want to say like life started to unravel, but it was like, it was like it was falling into place because it was like, now I needed God. And I was like really dependent on him. And so the stuff that was happening to me, it was fortunate, but it was keeping me away from pornography, um, away from, I hate to say this word, masturbation, and and just focus on my job and, and just like walking upward. So Walter, how did you, did you ever seek uh, professional treatment and, and receive professional treatment? I did not. Um, and I want to say I'm, I'm not against professional treatment at all. Like, I think that it is, I'm not so spiritual that, that I'm unaware of like science and how, you know, like, I think if you need, if you need it, I, I say, definitely go because it is there to help you. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a relative, my mom knew about, um, what I was struggling with and, um, she had, um, reached out out to me and had said, you know, I think you should try to get some, some treatment. And I blew it off. I, you know, I, I was like, you know, this is for people that are like really out there that are doing some really horrible things. 
And um, she was like, you know, this, you know, you really need this. And this was actually just a little bit before um, my spiritual journey, but she recommended it. Um, she had a, uh, a therapist that was ready to talk with me and I took my insurance and everything. And um, I, I should have considered it, but at the time I just, I didn't do it, but I would encourage anybody to, to, Seek treatment because it's a very real addiction. It destroys marriages, it destroys families. You can really do a lot of damage. It really does does damage in the way that other addictions do. It makes you feel very shame based and yes, like, yes. And so, how did this comic book start to help you? Start to be not only your sort of uh, some sort of therapy in a positive way for you, but how did you come up with all these ideas in order to educate the community as well? Absolutely. Thank you, Dr. Celia. Um, well, um, the comic, like I had the watcher, like in his the air bones, the skeletons, skeletons, excuse me, um, was developed like years ago um, around like 2009 um, but when I, cause I had always wanted to do my own comic book and, um, self-publishing had taken off in the early two thousands. And so I was like, I can finally do it. Well, when I was like so engrossed in pornography and I was just really addicted to it, I, I wasn't able to advance the story because I had no motivation, like everything all my extra money, all my extra motivation went to um, just feeding this addiction and just keeping myself like medicated through like food and alcohol. And um, I, I got like, I think I got up to like 320 pounds at one point because I was just eating, you know, eating myself. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had, I had no focus. I couldn't, I didn't have the mental acuity to, write the story and finish it. And uh, when I went through this spiritual transformation, um, it was like, it was almost like an instant download. I remember um, the day that I listened to the interview on the radio. Um, well, like two nights later, I had the writing bug all of a sudden. I was like, man, I want to finish my story. Like I want to finish my story. Mm -hmm. So I got home from work and um sat down, opened up my laptop and I started working on the story. And, um, I remember launching, um, the word, um, word application and looking at, um, the story, which at the time was only a paragraph long. And, um, I basically started researching internet, researching human trafficking, some of the risk factors, like how people get into it. You know, this is a big city in America, were um, people of color and that's a risk factor. And so then I started and I was like, oh, wow. So it's also the transportation hub of America. It's not Atlanta, but it's Memphis. So then I was like, wow. So I was, this makes sense because I, I was working in news. And I was like, this makes sense. This is why there's all those um, police bus at like the port of Memphis and truckers are always getting caught. These girls, you know, I was like, this makes sense. I was like, why isn't anybody really talking about it? Because in news, um, we say that 
everything is so disposable. Like in broadcast news, it's like you you rush to get all the facts for a story. You compile the story to get it ready for the newscast, and then you discard it. You really don't go back to it. And so that's what was happening. Like you'd hear about this crazy bust about like a 13-year-old girl up at this hourly motel and um and like an MPD officer being caught as like her pimp and you'd hear about it and we report on it. People would talk about it on social and then you wouldn't hear anything. And I was like, well, if people heard this more and if it, if it resonated with, with people more, people would be more prone to do something about it. I was like, this is, you're right. God, this, you know, and it was like a light bulb. Uh, I'm in a position to like really enlighten people and tell people what's going on. And I said, if MLK was alive, you know, he would be championing this. He would want this because, you know, his fight was against injustice in all forms. And I was like, we're in the city where he did this launching pad. Let's do it. And so I just remember it was like, I say it was divine intervention because it just seemed like everything clicked, you know, right place, right time. Um, The subject matter is poignant. It's still poignant. And, um, you know, the, what one good thing I like about the series is that it's a call to action. Um, It is saying that you can be a watcher. You can be a person that watches and, and looks out for evil and a person that takes a stand against it. And so I, that's what I love about my series is, and it's the most unique because we can't be Superman. We can't be Batman, but we can all be watchers. Mm-hmm. That's what I love about the series. And that's what I try to encourage. Well, thank you so much, Walter, for just being your genuine 100% authentic self and for letting, reminding us that, you know, people that are combating human trafficking come from all walks of life. We're not all perfect. We all have histories. And a lot of times we hide our histories. So thank you so much for just being 100% your full flavored, genuine self, and still telling us uh, the wonderful things that you can bring forward to the world uh, in the name of good. So tell us a little bit about the series. What, how many, not episodes, but how many, uh, you know, publications are there and what is the general theme of the story? Absolutely. Um, so, so far we have two issues out. Um, they're published kind of like magazines. Um, I don't know if your listeners have ever picked up a comic book, but they're, um, they're essentially magazines, um, picture books, they, there's words, and they range from everything as silly as like the ones, the Archie ones that you see in the grocery line, all the oh, way yeah. up to, all the way up to um, biographies mm-hmm. um, about people um, influential people like uh, Sally Ride, Malcolm X, and Abraham Lincoln. Those are some comic books that I've read, and yeah. so they're very they're very um, vast in terms of like what you're looking for. Oh well, um, Walter, I am very familiar with comic books, but I'm old, so I know Archie, Veronica, and all those people. <laughs> <laughs> Other than hey, that, those that's are good it. Ones. Uh, those are some good ones. Yeah. Um, but there, yeah, the art form has really expanded um, just throughout the years. And um, we have two out, uh, my wife and I, and we're actually getting ready to publish the um, a third one um, later this month, um, towards the end of this month. And I'm really excited about it. 
Um, the series picks up with a, um, a, a guy, a fictional character. His name is Gideon Samuels. And um, he is, his name is symbolic. Um, uh, Gideon means destroyer. It's a Israeli Jewish name. And then Samuel um, means requested. So backward, or, you know, you can essentially say it's the requested destroyer, mm-hmm. which is, um, he's breaking down uh, these barriers. So in the series, um, the, the main character has um, kind of a spiritual, spiritual journey akin to mine. Um, he's just kind of this guy. He's in his late 20s. He's living life, women, fast cars, booze, strip clubs, porn. And um, he um, goes through this like radical change and he's, you know, he starts his life over. So in the, at the, in the opening pages of the first book, he is um, building this church in the pinch district, which is a historical, historically black neighborhood in Memphis. Um, It sits on the Mississippi river and it's the site of where the underground railroad took place as they would come in off the river and then they would be hidden in these homes and in these churches. So he's actually, um, he's renovating, I guess, you know, a historically black church that's dilapidated. And so he, it picks up there in the pinch district and um, he, one day he's doing his um, pastoral duties. So he's just cleaning in the church and he sits down and he picks up a copy of the equivalent of the commercial appeal which is the city's newspaper. And he reads about um, uh, gentrification happening um, in the city, um, new stores going up, uh, the war in Afghanistan. And he gets to the end of the paper and he's like, wait a second, they're not, there's nothing about these missing girls. Like there's um, the missing girls. And I was like, he's like, matter of fact, um, one of my parishioners is missing. We're her, family we've been looking for we've gone door to door nobody can find her and so he's he's angry with god he you know the first i want to say like four or five pages um he's you know god is on trial he's gotten an an indictment he's like what are you doing like how do you let this happen this girl is missing from my congregation her parents don't know where she's at he's like i'm angry at you i'm angry at the, the system nobody wants to talk about missing children of color what's going on and so then it, god's like well hey i i give you the same opportunity as i gave mlk as i give to the next person like you've got what you need like why don't you just go do it you're you know i give you the means to do this what are you going to do about it he's like well i'm just a preacher in a costume he's like no you're more than that he's like i'm ready let's do it there are a lot of stats in the um issue one um, that talk about like uh, people of color um, being um, risk factors, uh, impoverished people. Because Memphis has some of the poorest neighborhoods in the in the country, um, right behind Detroit. And poverty is a big motivator for human trafficking because it's the exchange of money, and so um, that's discussed. Um, drugs are really big. Um, because it is a transportation hub of America. And so um, we talk about um, stats from the TBI, Tennessee Bureau of Investigations, that's in there. This is all in the first issue? It is, yes, ma'am. How many pages is the first issue? Uh, It's 28 pages. 
Oh, wow. And is it like, uh, who's the age group? What What's the age group that you're? Well, I I tell people, and my my wife is going to get a kick out of this, I'll tell you, but um, I tell people that um, I, I feel like the age group could, you know, should be as young as 12. But on average, uh, I would say my, my average reader gets from social media polls and um, from Amazon Kindle stats. Uh, my average reader is about um, 27. Oh, that's interesting. And so yeah. I think that, it, I mean, it's a way, it's a clever way of showing people the issue and having them to understand that they too can get involved if they want to take up the cause and, and use their power for good. Yes, ma'am. So absolutely. How, do, how do people get a hold of one of the issues? Oh, absolutely. Um, I ship from my home. Um, they can go to my website directly. It's um, www.thewatchercomicseries.com. And um, they can order from there. They can order it a print copy, which I'll mail to them. Um, or if they prefer digital format, um, they want to read it on their phone or their tablet or computer, um, they can go to amazon.com. Uh, and um from the Kindle section on Amazon, uh, you can just type my name, Walter Lovett, my books will come up, uh, or you can type in the Watcher comic book series and it'll come up and it'll offer it to you in digital form. Oh, that's awesome. What, and don't, don't, don't tell us what happens, but how many more series, uh, is this series going to go on and on or is, does this series end and you start a new series soon? Absolutely. Um, so this, yeah, this series will go on. Um, Currently, I have um, 10 issues planned, okay. um, uh, written, 10 issues written, um, and I'm, I'm writing more because the, the fight against it is, is ever evolving is what I've found, especially mm-hmm. with technology. And it's just, I hate to say this, but it's, it's not going anywhere anytime soon, but we can, that doesn't mean that we should fight against it. But um, I've got 10 issues planned of this. And then I have a spinoff series um, that it's going to um, focus more in on um, like it, it's more teen centered, but it focuses in on um, the opioid uh, epidemic as well as um, just the um, problems or things that like teens face in terms of like cyberbullying and stuff like that that takes place in Appalachia um West Virginia and so um that's a spinoff series coming um I hope to have that out this summer so you're tackling really tough topics in a way that can capture young people's attention seems to be young adults uh attention and educate them and maybe even empower them to get involved so Walter, if there's somebody out there that's listening and they have a they have a dream too, um, and maybe maybe their past hasn't been the shiniest, um, do you have any advice for them? Absolutely, thank you, Dr. Williamson. Um, I would just encourage them to. Um, I feel like there's there's a turning point in everybody's life um, where it's like you have to have kind of like a real conversation of with yourself and you have to say, do I want like what God has for me, God's perfect will, or do I want to keep doing like his permissible will, which is like, 
you know, do what makes you happy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the point that I got to like towards the end of six, 2016, I was like, man, I, I don't want to keep doing this. Like I'm like living paycheck to paycheck. Like I'm doing this stuff, but I don't have any real peace, like really ha- real happiness. Um, I don't really even have friends. Like I've just become like this slob, this person that I hate. And um, for me, it was a spiritual journey. Um, by turning to God, I do realize that that's not for everybody. Um, but I would just say, like, when you get to that point in your life and you're asking yourself that question, um, I would I would say, you know, you've got to have, like, a real moment with yourself and you have to say, like, what do I need to do? And so I'm going to say, you know, turn to God. But that's just my two cents. But I would say if anybody is looking to get out, like it is, he is a resource that is um, unused by a lot of people, but he's a great resource. Um, He was with uh, Martin Luther King. Um, He helped Martin to do some amazing things. Um, And he'll be with you as well. And that's the advice that I'd give to anybody. And just be honest with them. Just talk to them the way that you and I are talking. Just say, hey, I've got these dreams. This is what I want to do. I have no idea how I want to do it, but I know you can help me. You know, Steve Harvey talks about it all the time. One day he was living in his car. The next day he's a, a millionaire, you know, and it just starts with that first step. Just saying like, hey, I'm broken. Hey, I need help. Hey, I, I've got these ideas, these dreams. You put them in my heart, help me to achieve them. And I really believe that God Thank you so much, Walter. Thank you for your transformation and thank you for your contributions to the world. We appreciate it. That was Walter Lovett. I want to ask you a question. How much do you judge people? Just think about that. Because Walter has been through some things. Walter hasn't been always the brightest shining star, right? In some of his activities have spilled over into addiction, full-blown addiction. And then Walter has an epiphany and uses a dream that he had for many years to create a comic book to help other people and create awareness and to tell other people that they can step up and they can do something. Is his contribution valuable? Because I think the only difference between Walter and many of us is that Walter is being pretty transparent. He's telling you about his slings and his arrows and his struggles. And we can sit in judgment because Walter is being transparent, but he's also being accountable. Are you? Are there things in your closet that you wouldn't be transparent about? Maybe maybe they bring shame upon you. Maybe you had an addiction yourself. Maybe there are things in your past that you know happened, but no one else knows because you're too ashamed to talk about it. Or maybe you know somebody like that. 
Are their contributions to the cause any less valuable because of their past? Think about that one. You know, will Walter overcome his addiction for the rest of his life? No one knows because addiction is one day at a time. But he has some support. Maybe not the way you would have done it. Maybe not the way someone else would have done it. But that's the way he did it. Is his contributions any less valuable? And look, we need those powerful voices of Maya Angelou and politicians and uh, great, strong movements and all of those people. And we need the people that have a, a, a past because they bring their genuineness and their authenticity to the table as well. We need the survivors. We need the people in recovery. We need all of the people. We need every single flower in the field to make the garden. We don't have one person to spare. And if we can recruit one more into the battle, then let's do it. If you get a chance, please check out The Watcher comic book. Lots of people love comics, and this is a great way to increase awareness. Till next time, the fight continues. Let's not just do something. Let's do the best thing. If you like this episode of Emancipation Nation, please subscribe and I'll send you the weekly podcast. Until then, the fight continues.